So welcome to another County Live. We're not in lockdown, but we're coming out of lockdown. We're still, it's still during the pandemic. It's still in crazy times, but we're still bringing you all the fantastic content. And this week, Chris, you're talking to probably not been around enough to be a, a legend, but certainly even in, even currently right now, a man you would call a club favourite. It's interesting. It's an interesting point now. By the way, I've still got lockdown hair, maybe for the last week. Um, yeah, actually, you have a haircut. You've let the side down. Anyway, um, no, it's, it's a really interesting point that you open with there because that very topic comes up in this conversation. And you're right to say, is he a legend? Is he not a legend? I think it's a separate talking point. I think it's a separate conversation because um, County win the league for the first time in 52 years and he's the top goal scorer that season. So, you, I mean, what more have you got to do? But if you haven't worked when, it out yet, we're talking about Matty Warburton, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but um, when we when when I put that to him, he was very dismissive. You know, he didn't get a hundred goals, he didn't get a hundred games, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. So it, it's an interesting one. In for a lot of young generation fans now, they will grow up and you know, Matty rode the crest of a wave. I think along with all of that team, in that um, that was the season that everything clicked with the fans and with the players united. You know, they were all on the same page. They were all singing from the same hymn sheet. And obviously, Matty was a shining star of that. So if you ask anyone aged between, I don't know, six years old and 15 years old, go and ask them in 10 years' time if Matty Warburton's a legend, and they'll still remember him, everything about him. But, it's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to kick off the conversation because... Like, you're exactly right. Whether you think he is a legend or not, is he going to go down the Hall of Fame or not? Um, he is a massive club favourite. And um, the respect that is between club and player flows heavily both ways. Well, here is Chris's interview with Matty Warburton. Matty Warburton, welcome to Stockport County Live. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Um, back into training tomorrow, ready and raring to go. Um, but no, we've all been good. Lockdown's been better than expected. So, yeah, very well. I see your hair's not Whereabouts you? <laughs> Mate, I told you, I'm rocking the lockdown look. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, by Christmas, it'll look glorious. I, I, won't, I won't repeat what you mentioned off air. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, so where are you now? Are you, are you based down in Northampton? Are you back up in Stockport till lockdown go till training uh, picks back up? Or, or whereabouts are you? Well, I'm down in a place in, in Buckinghamshire. Um, so it was one of those moments where do you kind of jump in at the deep end and, and move in with your partner? Um, so Mrs. is like, I'll come and move in with you in Northampton in a, in a townhouse or do you want to come and move in with me in, on a farm? So it was a bit of a no-brainer. So I've been on a farm since the start of lockdown and, and made it my kind of permanent residency. So it's nice. It's, it's very, very different to what I'm used to, as I said, like, massive town I'm used to going into Manchester and doing all that kind of thing now I'm surrounded by fields and farmlands and animals and it's just a little bit different to my to what I'm used to but thoroughly enjoying it I've got to admit the lads actually I, uh, I sent a video to the group chat of me with we've got some little pygmy goats and the, like the Stockport boys just they got all over me I think after it was like the, I think he put it as the picture on the group chat I was raging just me with <laughs> 
they've killed me for it a little bit. They've killed me for it. Well, I like to hear that after you've after the hair comment. I like I'm I'm on, I'm on their side. <laughs> but uh, how how you find the, how you found the close season? Because it's been like you say, it's been a bit of an odd one. I mean, it's good that you've got some space to go and work out, in, but for a professional footballer, I guess it's not it's not been ideal, has it? No, it's 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 been a bit bizarre. So I remember going into training on the Friday, and and it was basically the Premier League wasn't going ahead the following day, and then our season obviously got put back for three weeks, and then further and further and further and and during all of that time, it was a case of well, we could be called back at any time. So I did like a, I did a solid kind of ten weeks of work and put in a lot of fitness work and graft to make sure that when we eventually did get called back in, um, that was in good shape. Um, a lot of people said that they didn't anticipate the playoffs, um, and then they came about. So I came back in in good shape and I felt I was all right. Um, fitness-wise, and then pulled up with a little injury, which kept me out of the first game, and then obviously I was on the bench for the second game, and then obviously for the final at Wembley. Um, but it's been a bit of a weird one for us. I mean, there are other teams that have been off since February, March, and have not been back in at all. Um, whereas we were back in for about a month or so. I think we reported back in the very end of May, and then finished at the very end of June. So we had, we had a month together. So. We have had a little bit in and then now we've been off for a further five weeks um, back in tomorrow. But I'm very fortunate where I am is that my girlfriend has a, has a gym here. So she's a personal trainer. Um, so one of the barns has been like, converted into a gym. So I'm very fortunate that I can get myself in there and, and take over and, and kick a clients out and, and go in there and, and do what I need to be done. How was it going through a second successive promotion season? I mean... There's not a lot of footballers can put that on the CV, but it must have been quite special. Yeah, it, it really was. Like to go from someone that pulled me at Wembley and just said you've gone from Conference North to League One in, in a in a calendar year or a season, if you like, and that was a bit like, yeah, I have, yeah, that's that's mad. But with with this one, it was a little bit different. Um, with the Stockport one, it was um, without being arrogant, I, I was probably like a big part and played a big part. Was playing that obviously scoring the last game and my goals and performance that had helped with this. Uh, it was a strange one. I don't feel like I um, I'd not necessarily deserved to be promoted, but I hadn't played my part. I don't. I didn't feel like um, in terms of actual physical playing time, obviously trained just as much as everybody else and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it came to making things matter on the pitch, it was a bit of a, it was a strange feeling. I was delighted to be promoted, but I also felt like I hadn't properly earned the, the promotion, if that makes sense, in com- in comparison to the previous one I had the year before, so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a strange one, um, but it was uh, ultimately like I don't get me wrong to, to go from where I was, uh, even at the very very start, like I said to you before, playing just open age football in the Manchester Prem eight years ago to being in League One, it's a it's a bit of a strange reality to be honest. Yeah, no, but was it was it a bit of a uh, did it take a bit of getting used to, I guess, is the question. Going from being, well, like you said, I don't think it's arrogant. I think it's fair to say you probably were the main man. You know, you you, you know, you know, scored all those goals, had all those performances, you got that big move. Um, did, did it feel a bit strange not having that 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 part to play, like you said, that you did the season before? Yeah, it was, I think the biggest thing for me, Chris, that I, I think I massively overthought the level, to be honest. Um and I kept on analysing my game probably t- to the point where I was doing it too much. And when I was playing Conference North, and obviously you, you have a job alongside that as well, 
you don't really have time to to think about football too much. You kind of turn up to training, do your bit of training, take on board what uh, Jim or Dave or whoever was saying, and then next day you're back in work. So the time that you actually have to think about football in a in a part time setting is actually quite a lot less. And then a full time setting, I could be in training at ten o'clock, finish by half one two, and the rest of the day is mine. And then you kind of think about football a little bit too much. And I think that was massively one of my downfalls. Start of the season, I started off pre-season, did, did, did well, um, got myself in the team. And then from about November onwards, I would say I was probably in and out, in and out, in and out. And then to a point where I found myself out of squads, which was something that never happened to me in my career before, like watching from the stands, which was, it was tough to take at times. I remember going down to Exeter, um, Travelled down there on a Friday. There was a twenty-man squad, and I was looking around. And I was thinking, I, I might not be in the squad here. And I came to the day, and, and I wasn't in the squad. And it's that's the harsh reality of professional football, and one that I had to get used to pretty quickly, and and one that I've got to become hardened to, and 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 will try and become hardened to. But um, yeah, like you say, it's to go from where I was to kind of on the fringes, kind of thing is is a big thing to take. But um, I believe I can get myself in the team and I believe I can start playing a few more games and, and hopefully that happens next year. It's that belief that's key, isn't it? I mean, you've got to have that. I think there'll be a lot of people that that don't know whether break's the right word, but it would affect them mentally. They, they would take that game up, that, that into the game with them. But if, if you've still got that belief, then, I mean, I don't think anyone's doubting your ability. It, you've just got to wait for that, that moment and, and take the chance when it comes. Yeah, exactly. That. I, I, that's basically it. You just you just need that little chance. I, I mean, the game that he put me in after New Year was Leighton Orient, and after about ten minutes, the keeper passed one out to me, and I've gone in, and I, uh, uh, on my left foot, and I've hit the post. And I was thinking, if that's gone in, I potentially could stay in there against Swansea in the FA Cup, uh, not Swansea Derby in the FA Cup. But obviously, it didn't. I didn't take the chance. Um, but it is a bit. Football is massively. A confidence game and if you, you're full of it then you're just going to go on and play on succeeding and um, that's just one thing that I probably just need to, to learn from is just to make a mistake or whatever just override it carry on I do believe in my ability it's just hopefully getting that chance to go and prove it again uh, and just like just one, one, one kind of final moment on, on the Northampton and the promotion season that day at Wembley and we saw all the shots of you on the pitch and uh I believe there was a little message in there for a, for a mate of yours from Stockport County. Just how was that on the pitch at Wembley? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, even just to go out and warm up on it was just like you look round, you think, wow, the amount of players that have played here and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, after the game, uh, as you probably see in other ones, people will go back and grab the phones. And one of the first people that I faced down was Sam Walker. Um, really, really good mate of mine. Known him for. God knows how long. So we, we had a. He was on the sofa watching it. I think, and I think he opened it with a with a beer in hand, um, full of smiles. So it was great to see him. We had a little bit of a brief chat. Um, Sam's a bit of a, an older brother to me, so it was a bit of a, a nice moment for us to share. Um, so yeah, it was one of them. And then all the boys were on that night out a few weeks ago, which I should have been on, but had friends coming down, and uh, Minion was Snapchatting all the boys. Like when was the last time you saw Warby? When was the last time you saw Warby? And he was sending them to me and then he went to walk. He's like, when was the last time you saw Warby and walked just to around straight face just went oh, FaceTime me at Wembley. <laughs> I watched it, I was laughing my head off. I was like, that is brilliant. 
Um, but no, it was it was a nice little moment now. So it's one of them where I FaceTime my mates, rang mum, rang dad, um, and then obviously Sam as well. As it from a county fan's perspective, it's really good to hear you kind of talk about how you're still mates with the boys, how you all stay in touch, uh, and, and everything else. You will have seen obviously the changes that are coming at Stockport County, I'm sure, with the takeover, new players coming in, players coming over. Um, but I think I think the most important thing that you had in that squad with the relationship with those players was was that bond within the team. Anyone could see that. And, and you kind of cemented that belief there that, yes, you were all good footballers. And yes, Jim Gannon had you playing in a certain way that, you know, that, that was capable of winning the league. But you were all mates. And I think that that kind of, that just worked with the team. And that, that, that's what the fans saw more than anything. Yeah, I think that's probably the strongest group I've ever been involved with in terms of the, the bonds that we had. Um, it takes a number of things to kind of create that, um, right through from training to, to nights out, to group chats, to, to just people doing the right things and telling people who are falling out of that, kind of pulling them in um, and making sure that the, the standards that we set for each other are maintained. But, Within that group, it was it was incredibly special. We had a, a real strong group of lads in terms of probably similar personalities in terms of that winning mentality. I, I look at that group and you just look round and you see Bully, obviously two promotions, walks an absolute hero on a pitch, like an absolute dynamo. And then you've got Adam Thomas, who just never stops, Minion, who's the same, Ash, who would literally head anything. Um, and then you look round it and when you're playing with a teammates who are all Run it, willing to run through brick walls, you you always sense that you have a belief, and that was kind of like we looked at like games that we had. I remember looking back on the games and and just thinking we were miles ahead of some teams, absolutely miles ahead, just because of what we had like together as a group in terms of you could see lads, other teams on the pitch just bickering and moaning and and even speaking to us as players, bitching about other players. But with us, it, it wasn't like that. We had a a very strong back of the bus brigade, as I'd call it. Like there was Dan Cowan, me, Bully, Adam Thomas, Minion, Keno, like endless, and and we were so pally off the pitch, but on it when it came down to business, we we put it together. Um, and I'm really proud to still say I'm I'm good mates with with them, and obviously still got a group chat that's that's still very very lively. That may may or may not have a picture of goats as the as the icon at the top. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'll move on from that. I think when when you say all that and, and then you talk about okay, so that, that's great, that team spirit. You've then got a manager like Jim Gannon. Now, over these last few weeks, we've done a whole series of legends interviews, and 99% of the players that we've had on there have either played with Jim or played for Jim, or in some cases both. And and they kind of go into detail about what he's like as a as a manager and what he's like as a person. And you can see that your career, like you say, you, you played with the likes of Kurz and Salford then come to Stockport and now you're up in League One. What what was it like with Jim Gannon? And was was there any crossover there that is it any surprise if you like that working with Jim Gannon then got you that move up to the big league? No, well there's there's a huge crossover. I mean all you have to do is look at the previous track record of players that he's had that have gone on to progress further up the pyramid. All right, it might not have worked for them, but without having Jim there they wouldn't have got that chance. So you look at the likes of Jason, you look at uh, Oswell, you look at Jimmy Ball, Scott, uh, myself, Danny Lloyd, 
you could even put Lewis Montrose into that, if you like, at, at that time. None of those players would have got where they were if it wasn't for, for Jim. And I don't think I've ever learned so much of a, of a coach ever, to be honest. And I'm so pleased I did my UA for B of coaching last year when he was my manager because it was perfect for me because I learned so much on the training pitch in an hour and a half that I could implement into my own coaching, into my own kind of philosophy of when I was coaching the, the sixth form scholars, what I had. Um, I felt very fortunate. I used to go home right at the very start of pre-season. I was going home and writing down his sessions. So it would probably do me for copyright, to be honest, but I've got a load of sessions at home that, that, I've, that I've used. He's, he's probably one of the most intelligent men about football, or just in general, that, that I've ever met. Um, the amount that he taught me in terms of how to constantly be a threat and, and how he wants his attacking line to work. Um, was incredible um, his level of detail I've got the utmost respect for him um, I felt like I left them in, in the right way um, on the right terms and, and I still uh, believe I have a good relationship with him Let's go back to when your your move to Stockport County was kind of being talked about and it looked like it was going to happen and then you know obviously the, the move does go ahead how did you first hear that, that County were interested in Jim Gannon might be might have been watching you, and he, you know, now he wants to sign you. And, and just how did that unfold? Uh, probably his right hand man, to be honest. A bit of Dave Condon's influenced that. Um, I've known Dave for some time, to be honest. He used to I played against him a long, long time ago when he was centre half, and I was a forward. And uh, I'm sure he won't mind me telling him that I ripped him apart. Um, <laughs> I think he might have just kept tabs on me. And first year at Curzon. I think they had a bit of a stab at me then uh, and nothing really materialised. I think I was only young that probably wasn't anything proven like, and it might have been a risk for them, completely understand. And then the whole Stockport thing kind of developed. Obviously, things didn't work out at Salford, so I went to Curzon. And I think at the back end of Curzon scored 13-16 or something like that. And I knew that Jim was got quite a lot of the games because with, with Curzon being a Thameside club and them having so many... Uh, other local teams they played their games on a Monday night at home so it was one that, that Jim could quite easily get to and um, I remember him coming to quite a few and people telling me that he was interested all that kind of stuff and then uh, he rang me in the summer after the Curzon uh, went and met in a, in a Costa actually and uh, sat with him for I'm not joking three hours um, talking football I've never done that before but it was intriguing and, and, and it was incredible how much he knew and who he knew and, and how he wants to play and all that kind of stuff. And the only reason why we ever left that Costa, by the way, I still think we'd be there to this day, was because um, the barista or whatever you want to call him came out as that. I've noticed that you've been here for quite some time. Um, you've only got three hours in the car park and then we kind of had to leave it and then it went back to phone calls and stuff. And then when he did sign, I remember turning up and I was in my work gear. Uh, I, I remember signing... And they took a picture and I had my, my work clobber on, PE clobber. And I was just so excited to get going. Like I'd been at Stockport when I was a kid, uh, from about 12 to 15, I think it was, when they were in League One, League Two, and they had an academy or centre of excellence as it was then. And it didn't really work out. I just fell out of, for the first time in my life. And the only time it's ever happened, I just stopped enjoying football and left Stockport. So I always felt like there was a bit of unfinished business. Um, but to go on and kind of achieve what I have done, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of. 
how did the how did your two seasons at County differ? Because in in the first season you're playing with Jason, and Jason, you know, he's getting he's just scoring for fun. Certainly that first half of the season, it was just almost anything he touched went in. And you two had this partnership that was just electric, and it looked like it was you know we were good for, for a while. It looked like we were going to storm the division. Mm-hmm. Um, the second season, Jason moves on, and and all of a sudden you're the main man, and you're the one getting the goals. And and I know that that Frank comes in and Niall comes in. Uh, and I think they both played really important roles, but they didn't have that that razor edge maybe that Jason had where he was the number nine and, and he wasn't for, for, for budging. As a player, as the number 10, and I know that for a while, again, you shared the shirt with Elliot for a little bit and the two of you moved around, but for the majority of the time, you were the number 10, it was your shirt. How did those two seasons differ for you? Um, personally, from, from a team's perspective, with no disrespect to the first year when I was there, the, the second year team that we had was was a lot better, pure and simple. They were a lot better. I also believe that in the second year, we had a much better relationship with the fans. Um, first year, I felt it was a bit, we were playing on knife edges at times. I remember my first game at Spennymore, um, awful, awful game. I was awful myself, missed the penalty, hit the post. And uh, I remember running over to take a corner in front of the county fans. And as I ran over, this county fan said to me, you better pull your finger out something, something, I've been supporting this club for longer than you've been alive. And I was like, wow. Well, that was the first game. And I've missed the penalty at this point and then slapped one against the post about five minutes later. And I was thinking, wow. And then we got booed off. And in that first year, we, we tended to leave things very, very late. I remember Boston at home, Boston away. Um, we tended to, Chorley at home, uh, Jason's header. We, we left things very, very late. Almost because we had the back of the fans to kind of suck us in, but we were stopped poor after all. I mean, we did have some some good players. The second year, I felt we had a better um, strategy and, and tactics in terms of how Jim wanted us to play and how we fit into that system. We had better players who knew how to win games. Um, you like some keynotes come in, which I was so pleased about because I hated playing against them in Boston. I used to be a 10 and just couldn't shake him off. And normally I could get rid of the, the four or the six, whoever it was. I could kind of run away from him. But Keno was a nightmare. So I was so pleased when he signed. Um, Ash was just resolute. We re-signed Stotty. Um, and I think the lads that year, we, we just knew how to win games and we knew how to kill teams off. First game of the season, 5-1 Aston United at home. Bump, big bumper crowd. And um, from then onwards, we had a bit of a shaky one and we were beat by um, Alfreton at home. Um, but ultimately, I think the work that we did in the training pitch, everyone took that work from a Tuesday or a Thursday night onto the pitch and you could see things developing. So, for, for example, um, Jim's amazing tactically at throw-ins. So, so mm-hmm. we just football and, and nobody works on it. We worked on it constantly <clears throat> and constantly we got rewards from it. Set pieces, we constantly got rewards from that. Um, and, and the types of crosses that he wants without going away and, and giving out all his secrets and all that kind of stuff. Um, but ultimately, we were trusted to go out there and do the business and, and many weeks we did. But for me, I think the fans back in second year was was massive. I think we made some subtle changes in terms of lads, like more of us going to the bar after games and speaking to fans and making sure we get that after the game to, to thank the fans for coming out. And um, I feel like five or six of us would turn up on, on 
the kids Christmas do or whatever and that interaction and bond just got stronger and stronger and stronger and then it came to uh, the Spennymore game at home and we were rewarded with that huge crowd and, and Walks has missed it a free kick and it's gone all the way in and then Curzon um, <laughs> game at home like I'll just never forget that second cheer like that was just unbelievable there was originally a first cheer that went up about 80 minutes and I was turning around and I think I was trying to get eye contact with you and and JK and then uh, the second one that went up I was looking at it, it was like yes 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 and then just the incredible feeling um to know that it was in, in our hands and yeah I think a lot of it's down to us basically having a better team if I'm being honest and and the fans really believed in the second year the the emotions that you speak about about that day in particular and that just that time um, you know, I must have watched that that clip back maybe a hundred times already. But I, I, I guess I know. Many times I've watched it. I can't tell you how many times I've watched it. game, but I reckon the, the non-eating game as well. I must have watched it every week for about 30, 40 weeks straight. I was watching it. I couldn't stop. It's so hard to relive a feeling, but that's the closest that you get. And yeah. If I could pay for that feeling, you just—I'd be—I'd be absolutely skinned. It was incredible. Both, both of them, from the Curzon game to the non-eating game. I mean, I watched it. You know, when they did the big live stream, the ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all were all on the group chat, texting each other. We were all watching it live with a beer and stuff. And and that was nine months later or whatever. It's still, it's still one of probably the the one of my most favourite moments in my career, if not the, the best moment in my career. That. Um, I probably should have run this by you before we spoke, but I feel like I can bring it up now because of because of the way everything played out. But I I saw you briefly after the Chorley game the week say. before when <laughs> it looked like the chance had gone. Yeah, and and I, I, you know I, I hope I, I hope I don't pay pay you any disservice in any way in this, but you were gutted. You you you. In fact, the only word you said to me was you were sorry. And I thought, you can't have that attitude. You've done so much for the club. You've, you know, this whole bond with the fans, kind of, you've been at the centre of this, at the core of this. And I was so happy for you personally that that didn't matter, in a sense. But just talk us through what was going through your mind the rest of that game, after that game, in the build-up to the next game, so on and so forth, because it must have been awful for you. Yeah, it was um, It was a tricky one, that. Um, when I say a tricky one, it's, I don't often think about it, but I'll often... Yeah, sorry to bring it up. No, it's all right. I remember it extremely well. I remember Daz breaking down the left, and for some for some mad reason, I managed to keep up with Daz. And I mean, and and then the balls come across, and I I don't know what I've done. I've just skied it from from me to the screen where I am now. It must be about a yard. It's gone over, and just that that sinking feeling. And I've had my hands on my head. And if you imagine that you're the one person that's got his hands on his head, you've got Chorley fans right in front of you, and I turn around and. I think we must have taken 1,800 that day or something like that. And I turned around and looked at every single Stockport fan and every single one of them on the head and I was thinking, oh, sugar, I've let people down here. So I tried to, like, it played on my mind. I remember, I remember running back to the halfway line because they had a goal kick and Walks tried to shake it out of me and so did Bully and I just couldn't shake it off. I remember after the game, I was so close to tears. I think Callum was giving me a cuddle or whatever, and I couldn't really bring myself to clap the county faithful or look at them, to be honest. And I, I was just absolutely gutted. I remember getting on the coach and driving back and didn't really speak to anyone on the coach on the way back. And I just, yeah, really, really 
bad moment for me and, and probably one of the lowest points I think I've had in terms of like that week leading up to the Curzon game. Um, and I was desperate to keep myself in the team for the Curzon game. And on the Thursday, luckily enough, I, I didn't get a bib. It's always the dreaded bib on a Thursday and I never got it. So I please kept myself in. And then Ash got us off to a flyer. And then when I got that goal, I think and you can even hear me scream on the, on the actual like, commentary. Um, it was just such a relief. But then to actually find out that Spenny Moore had done us a, a huge favour, um, Glenn Taylor had nodded one in. And I actually speak to Glenn um, every now and again on Instagram. We had, I saw him out in the track centre months and months ago after the season had finished and we had a good chat. So we, we message every now and again. And I was like texting not so long ago. I was like, you do realise it's Glenn Taylor day, don't you? And he was like, oh, not this again. He was like, keep going. <laughs> um, so we have a bit of banter and a bit of a chat, but he saved me and then, the non the eating game, just knowing that we needed to win, um, was just incredible. I remember the day so well. I turned up so early before anybody else because I was at a wedding down in the Cotswolds, and uh, I remember having to speak to my mate. It was his wedding. I was an usher at his wedding, and I said, "Oh, I had to sit down, have a coffee with him, and say I'm, I'm not going to be at your wedding." I said, "But I promise you, no matter what the result is, I'll, I'll be there in the evening." So I actually missed the presentation and. and and they do at Bradbury Hall and all that kind of stuff. Um, but promised him and, and had to keep my word. So to win it and then the way that we did it, I, I knew, I don't think, I think they had one shot. I knew we were going to beat them. Don't get me wrong, no disrespect to them, but the confidence that we had from the week before. And then um, the only time I was nervous when we were about half an hour in, we hadn't scored. And then Ash got one and then I hit one in and then Adam Thomas finished them off. It was just, Incredible, absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. Never heard anything like it. Was so blown away by it. Um, and then that that evening, obviously went out celebrating my mate's wedding. And then the next day, I like to think I made up for it. I text the lads, I'm like, I'm on my way back. So we met out weeks, and that was such a heavy session. That on the Sunday, I, honestly, I don't know how I went to teach. I went teaching on Monday. I honestly don't know. I remember getting to school on the Monday, and I had the scholars in the morning for coaching first two lessons and I was like really really rough the worst I've ever been banging a leg I've got a big bottle of water um and I'm walking around the kids know that we've won and they're like how are you sir I'm like yeah I'm all right and in the end I put them into a game of five O's and just said right off you go I just lay on the floor for about an hour I was in a bad, bad way and then I had to teach the next two and then the next two off but I remember the final two lessons of the day I went upstairs in one of the quietest rooms in the school, locked the door and just had a sleep on the floor. I couldn't get through the day. It was such a tough day, but great memory. Great memories. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I don't think anyone will hold that against you. Um, earlier, earlier in, earlier in this whole lockdown quarantine business, um, a good friend of, of both yours and mine, Sam Byrne, we did a, we did a show together and we were saying, um, the greatest strikers that County have had of the last kind of 30 years, the time that we've been following County. And, um, you know, the, the strikers who are here, who have been, you know, who have done 10 year stints, and there's ones who've been on big cup runs through the 90s, you know the names Kevin Francis, Alan Armstrong, Brett Angel, so on and so forth. But then Matty Warburton's name is in there, top scorer in the season that we, we win the league for the first time in 50 odd years. And a guy who, like you said before, uh, kind of bonded with the fans more than any player had done in the last 20 years or was part of a squad that bonded with the fans more than any squad had done in, in a long, long time. So I don't want to 
I don't want to put you on the spot or embarrass you, but I think we had a lot of comments on the on the on the post and stuff. But that's legit. I think that's felt by a lot of by a lot of county fans, and that must that must resonate with you a little bit. And I get the sense that it probably does. Yeah, that that makes me feel incredibly proud, and I know there's some massive massive names that have played ahead of me and probably played in in a better standard of league maybe than, than myself, but to be included in, in those names, Ken Francis, um, Alan Armstrong, etc., is is incredibly it's quite humbling to be honest. Um I don't see myself as a as a Stockport legend at all. I think you maybe do a little bit more than than what I've done. Maybe make over hundred odd appearances. I think I've only got ninety eight and and score a few more goals and maybe get a few more titles. So I wouldn't count myself as a and Stockport County legend personally, but I know that I've got a huge attachment to the football club and, and one that I am incredibly proud of. Um, if you said to me when I first signed after those two years that you could come out with 48 goals and 98 games, then I'd have snapped your hand off for it. So I'm, I'm incredibly proud of that. I would like to have got to 50. I should have got to 50. I went 12 weeks without scoring. Like That still annoys me. Um, but no, to like you say, to be included on in those names and, and to actually top goal scorer for the first time in, or for the first time I've been won a league in 52 years is incredible I remember a fan pulling me after the, the non-eating game he was like you don't understand what this, this actually means and I think um, I probably didn't right at that time but I think I think I do understand now um, got a close relationship I think with the county faithful um, there's not many players who probably left Stockport that still get messages off them off the fans wishing you well, like the amount of messages I had of Stockport fans before the Wembley final, wishing the next player well is it's very rare. Um, I had numerous that just wish me well and and hope that we got promoted and be forever grateful for that. Um, and hope one day that if our paths do cross, um, that I'll, uh, it'll be an, it'll be a nice moment for both me and and them. Yeah, no, I'm sure we'll just find it. Then you you'll have heard that County have been taken over in recent months and there's a. Uh, uh, some new additions in the squad. I don't want to touch on too much. The, the, the players have moved on. I think we've already spoken about that. But there's some new players coming in. You'll know a few of those names. Richie Bennett, I know you know. And um, Jamie Stott, of course, signing back on uh, full-time. He's a county player now, none of this loan business. Do you get the sense county are now on the way back? And especially under Jim Gannon, he's the right guy to, to fulfil that ambition, to get us back in the league, not just even in League Two, just get us back punching up Maybe catch Northampton in a couple of seasons. Yeah, massively. Stockport's, w- without speaking from from a biased point of view, even an external person looking in when they look at Stockport will see that it's a club going in the right direction. Obviously, they've been taken over. We've got a fantastic manager and a fantastic assistant in Dave. Dave doesn't probably get enough credit in terms of, um, or enough mentions maybe than than what it's worth. But he, he is an integral part. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's a it's a club that is going to go places. I think they've got the infrastructure in place. They've got the training ground. Um, and with the start that they've made in terms of what they've done over lockdown, in terms of helping out with the NHS and, and the social media that they're putting out there and all that kind of stuff, it just looks like one of those places that's just going to go um, on an uphill. Um, just just going to go up, really. Um, and I hope they do. I wish them every every single success. Um, and, and it'd be hard to say that they won't be up there next year. I think they'll be fighting for promotion, um, whether that be automatically or, or through the playoffs, but I've no doubt that they'll be up there. Um, very exciting place to be, I think, for, for not just the, the lads that are playing, but also for the, 
the staff that have got involved and, and gone full time and also for the fans as well. I mean, the fans have had so so much heartache over the last maybe not the last two or three, four years maybe, but before that in terms of the relegations and all that kind of um stuff that they deserve this. Um so I'm really excited to see what happens for for the club. Um obviously I'm from not too far away, so um it's nice to see a local club and, and one of my ex clubs do, doing everything right in terms of um, going about the business the right way and I wish them every success. Just just quickly, you mentioned Dave Conlon there. Jim's been so full of praise for his backroom staff. They're, they're, they're a good bunch, aren't they? Dave Conlon, Nick Donnelly, Luke Smith. Um, it's a good team he's got there. Brilliant team. Brilliant, brilliant team. Um, there's just just touching on the day, Dave, like uh, he put me through my UEFA B this year, helped me get on the course, helped me pass the course while still teaching, while still coaching and, and me constantly pecking me head about ideas. Um, still speak to him on a regular occasions and, and just check in with him and see how his family are. But yeah, like I say, he's got such a good team around him, Jim, that he's, uh, I think he's quite pleased with what he's got. Carl, um, who's a character. Um, Luke's, Luke's just grown on everyone since he's been there as the physio. He's, uh, he's got the right mindset for a physio. He can take banter and he gives it out, gives it best he can, and then he obviously helped the lads out with the Nando's when they when he wasn't full time at Stockport. So now Jim's fortunate with, with who he's got, um, and also so the staff because I'm sure Jim will will do his utmost to look after them and make sure they've got everything they need. Yeah, well, listen, Matty, it's been an absolute treat to have you on. Um, you're welcome back at Edgley Park, of course, uh, whenever you can, whenever you can get to a game. There's a pint waiting for you, interview in the in the radio box if we're allowed in. Uh, at that point, of course, when COVID um, passes us by. But listen, it's been an absolute treat. Thanks again for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, uh, Matty Warburton, legend or not, as you say, he's going to be a legend. It's just a question of time. It's just a question of context. But what really stood out for me there was him talking about what made him what he is for that team was the rest of the team. It's that family thing. And, you know, you look at, I don't know, you look at what Liverpool achieved last year. You look at the Michael Jordan documentary. Great teams at whatever level that achieve great things are families. And that's what he talked about. That team was a, a family to him. And many of them are still, you know, he still considers his, his muckers, his brothers. You know, the way he yeah. talked about Sam Walker. Oh, completely. I mean, we started to, to get a little glimpse into the life a little bit, didn't we? When when Sam Walker and a couple of others were putting videos and things on social media of, you know, players from that team, some who had moved on, some who were still there and some who had rejoined in the case of James Stott. And they were all going out, having a couple of beers together and just just being mates. Just, you know, Ash Palmer was there, Jordan Keane, Paul Turnbull, Dan Cowan. These guys are just, are just a group of mates at the end of the day who happen to be uh, really good at football with a really good manager looking over them. And um, yeah, when you, when you put it like that, it's football is such a simple game. And, and Matty kind of epitomised that they still were his brothers, Sam in particular, FaceTiming at Wembley. I mean, what an incredible gesture. You've just, you just won the playoffs at Wembley. Okay, he didn't have the biggest part to play. And, and I, thought, I thought he addressed that quite well. I thought he handled it quite well, saying that he's gone from the star of the show to a, something of a bit part player. But um, still, even then, you're celebrating, you've won promotion, you've got a trophy in your hand, you're on Wembley's hallowed turf. 
And the first thought that pops into your head after ringing mum and dad is, see what Sam Walker's up to. I just think that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And, you know, the second thing that stood out, and it's a common theme, common thread, um, is the way he talks about Jim Gannon. I mean, we it's easy for us as fans to go on about how good Jim Gannon is and how, how much he does for the team. You look at, you know, all the stats that speak in favour of him. He's still improved on his league position every single season he's been in charge of Stockport County, which is just an utterly ridiculous stat. Um, you look at all the things he's done for the team, but it's similar to Tommy Rowe last week when he says, you know, yes, he's improved me as a player and yes, he's a fantastic coach and a manager, but he's improved me as a person. You know, he's, he's made me a better thinker about, you know, the way I assess situations in life. Tommy Rowe was talking about doing his kids' homework with him and using Jim Gannon's, you know, methods and messages in all that. It's um, it's something quite interesting. When, when Jim first came back to County Martin all those years ago now, and we had him on um, the previous show, uh, and we had him on and it was a big welcome back interview. He spoke about making a community more than just a team. I don't know if you remember all that time ago. And we we pulled that apart in our podcast show afterwards. And we said, um, I, I remember saying it, he has that, almost like that air of Arsene Wenger about him. Do you know someone who's not just going to go in and get 11 players playing well? And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a football manager, that is what you're going to be judged on. But he just wanted so much more. And you see him going helping out with help the hatters painting the ground, picking the litter up, flattening the pitch when it, uh, you know, getting the water off the pitch before a game, if it's dubious as to whether it's going to be on. Jim Gannon is part of the community. He's part of the lifeblood of the club now. And um, every single week, be it Kevin Francis, Chris Marsden, Mike Flynn, Tony Dinning, Matty Warburton, Tommy Rowe, Gary Dicker, all these different eras of players who all come in and say, he's just Jim. <laughs> it's, you know, it, that that's just who and what he is. And it's, I don't think it's a surprise, you know, we could have 10 different guests on in the next 10 weeks, which we will, by the way, by the way. And I would be amazed, utterly amazed if anyone had anything but good things to say about the gaffer. 100%. And that is why new era, new deal for Jim. Fantastic news. Come out in the last few days. It's it's brilliant, but you know what? What Jim what what Jim has got there is he's got that continuity, he's got that stability, security, call it what you like, that he would have been looking for. Because because let's be honest, for a minute, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're Jim Gannon at Stockport County, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid, any any anyone anywhere else, when the Glazers came in at Man United, there was talk about are they going to get rid of Ferguson. No manager will ever sit comfortably when a takeover happens. They won't. Why would they? You know, there's there's always going to be talk of new management coming in. Um, so I think Jim has dealt with what would have been a very unsettling time. Whether he said it to us or not, whether he released that information or not, it can't not have passed through his mind. What if they just decide to chop? The board have shown him tremendous Faith, you know, they've, they've stuck to the word. I think it was Sam Byrne who tweeted this week. Um, you know, this is what they offered. This is what they said when they came in. They were going to offer him full-time football, um, a, a budget to go out and spend money and a training ground. And here we are. It's the summer. The, the, the new season 
the new preseason hasn't even started yet, and he's ticked all of those three boxes. So it's fantastic news for Jim Gannon. It's fantastic news for the, the team around him. The likes of Dave Conlon, Luke Smith, Nick Donnelly. I mean, the, what these guys offer, Carlos as well, the, the goalkeeping coach, what these guys offer is is contributing to that family field that you spoke of at the top there. You ask any Premier League footballer, who's, the, who's your, who's your favourite people in the club? Apart from the players on the pitch, of course they're going to say the kit man, the assistant, the the whatever physio, the, do you know what I mean? The, the people that they have these times with. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that, that the band are sticking together, so to speak. There is no kiboshing everything. Um, and and I'm, I'm really grateful as a fan to Mark Stott and his team, really, for, for, for doing exactly what they said they were going to. They've, they've taken County up through the gears, no question, but they've kept that that strong spine of, of management together. And you touched on it on it there as well. The other good, good bit of news is that the training ground has been sorted out. And for the level that Stockport County are at, you can't really get much better in this area. You couldn't get better in this area than Carrington. No, I, I don't think you could get much better anywhere in the country, if, if I'm honest. Um, without wanting to sound too brash about it, they've obviously got deep pockets, these guys. They're obviously willing to go out and spend the money um, where it's deemed appropriate. And I don't think there'll be any piece of equipment that if Jim Gallon said he needs it, I don't think they'll be missing it. You know, I don't think they'll they'll say they can't afford it. It's out of, it's out of budget. Um, I don't think there's, there's any issues with location because it's, it's perfectly placed. That's why so many big clubs in football and rugby have been there um, previously. And, you know, I don't want to say this every week, but obviously I've worked with the biggest football clubs in the world. I've been to some amazing facilities. I've been to some, you know, I've been to the, the, the Juventus training ground where they unveiled Ronaldo and, and had a look around those. And it's unbelievable. It's absolutely amazing. I've not been to County's new training ground yet, but at the end of the day, it's a football pitch with top of the range facilities in the back room. I can't imagine any club in the world would have something so out of reach for County, which like you say, at this level is unheard of. Yeah, I used to get when we were both on Pure, I used to do a few, a little bit of sports reporting and occasionally I went to do interviews with Sale. Um, so I used to go there when Sale were there and it is just, just fabulous. And as you say, another piece of the jigsaw, another promise kept and really good news for the future. Um, sorry, go on. No, that's that's all good. I was just going to say that um, who, are you, who do you fancy for the uh, Champions League? It's, uh, it's a great question, isn't it? Um, it pains me to say it, but I mean, can you look past Man City at this moment? I think City have got a point to prove and obviously, therefore, they're going to be out for leather. But the Champions League, you know, any of those teams could win it, apart from probably Leon. <laughs> you know, they've got, as usual, City's cup draws just never... Never seem to get any uh, any harder, <laughs> but um, they're probably the the one weak link in the eight. But you know, you could see you could see Munich winning it easily. You could see Barcelona winning it easily. But I think yeah, I think City probably. Um, you know, history's on their side. I think. Again, I, I don't like saying it because there's a lot that I really don't like about Man City, <laughs> and I don't want to go down this route of sounding bitter or whatever else. But from a purely footballing perspective, you've got 
arguably the best manager in the world, certainly in the top two or three. So probably the best manager still in the competition, it'd be fair to say, um, in the in the dugout. And he's just beaten Zinedine Zidane's Real Madrid comfortably almost. So you've got to give him immense credit for that. Um, yeah, and like you say, Leon, that's a bit of a, you know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know who I thought he'd be winning Atalanta. I mean, you know, it's, I can't see it happening, but what a story that would be. Just oh, I mean, yeah. incredible, incredible side. Just, you know, scoring goals for fun. It'd be great. Anywho, we... Personally, uh, I'd like to see Leon win it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, we're keeping um, the future in terms of the next episode under our hats, under our scarf, um, our scarf hats. Um, so... I think we can leave it there. We can. Can I just make a quick um, apology before we go? Yeah. Um, Eagle-eyed viewers of the video, of the interview, will have noticed there was a slight edit (laughs) in the middle of it Um, and some shouting, should we say, just just before that edit. Um, It was my (laughs) three-year-old. I I thought I'd got him off to sleep and... uh, yeah, I hadn't. <laughs> so, um, fair play to Matthew. Part of the deal these days, I'm surprised you've got got away with it so long, you know. We need to yeah, see more well, of Bob. That's what I say. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, I think in a few years, hopefully we'll have him on as a third host. But, um, yeah, fair play to Matthew Warburton for bearing with me while I went, while I went upstairs, took snacks and pleaded and bribed uh, a shouting toddler just to be quiet for another half an hour. Um, yeah, You're he, a did, he did good. Parent. You're a terrible parent. I hope you can live with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, sir. Get the finger guns out. We'll see you next time. On it's Council so Island. hot. It's ridiculous. <laughs>